Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. The Lord Jesus Christ. Are you all awake tonight? Amen. Hopefully I'll wake you up before you leave. Hallelujah. So you can be awake on the way home. Glory to God. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles tonight. As we turn into the Word of God, we're going to go uh, back to the Pentateuch. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 30, if you join me there. Our Bible reading plan has been taking us uh, through these five books of Moses. And I want to skip ahead a little bit to this scripture that I believe is very, very... Uh, powerful and teaches us something incredible about the nature of God and even about ourselves. Tonight, uh, I came across this little story that I'd like to share with you as we're turning in our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30 about a man who went to a barber shop and he was getting his hair cut and his beard trimmed. And as the barber began to work, they started having a, a conversation. And they were talking about many things and many subjects. And finally, beginning to speak about spiritual things, the man uh, who was, uh, the the barber said to the man getting his hair cut, you know, I just don't believe that God really exists. He said, really? Why is that? He says, well, if God exists, then why are all these sick people around? God exists, then... How come there's so many abandoned children and orphans? If God truly exists, you know, there wouldn't be any suffering or pain. And I I just can't get past the idea of a loving God allowing all of these things. And as the man was getting his hair cut, he thought about these things. And they finished up and customer paid and walked out the front door. And As he walked out, he held the door open for just a moment, and as he did, there were several people walking around on the street, and he turned back around to the barber, who didn't believe in God, and and he told him, you know something? I don't believe in barbers. I don't believe barbers exist. But he says, what? How could you say that? I'm, I'm right here. I just cut your hair. But he says, no, but look around. Look at that guy over there. He's got long hair and a big scruffy beard. Obviously, there are no barbers in the world. Now look over there. There's a guy who, who hasn't had a haircut in 10 years. There are no barbers, right? And the barber, starting to get a point, he said, ah, but barbers do exist. The problem is that people with dirty long hair and untrimmed beards never come to me. And now he got the idea, God does exist, And the reason why there is so much pain and suffering is not that he doesn't exist, but simply that there are many people who don't come to him, nor do they look for him. There is a magnificent role in life and in the life of every person who lives on this earth 
There is an important role to be played in your life and in mine regarding the choices that we make. In the will of God, in the word of God, we understand that God is sovereign. He is in control of all things. But even in his sovereignty, God leaves room and he gives authority to all of us to make decisions about the future, what our life is going to look like. And those decisions have a great effect on whether our lives are going to look like Jesus or whether our lives are going to look like Satan. A lot of that is in your hands tonight, the ability that God has given for us to make choices. And that is what our scripture reveals tonight in Deuteronomy chapter 30. The words of the Lord that I want you to listen well. In verse 15, listen to God, what God says to his people. He says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep, in his, keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live well and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Did you see the pattern there? He says, when you choose to walk with the Lord and love the Lord and keep his commandments, then God will bless you. But verse 17, if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and you are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go into to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, God pleads with his people, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, Jacob, to give them. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation that is found there. We thank you for the truth. Lord, that we have been created in your image, and part of that image tonight is the ability to choose and make decisions about destiny and future calling. I'm praying tonight that you would remind us of the mighty calling that we have to make righteous decisions. And we thank you for all you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. amen. I want to begin by sharing with you the great choice that every man must make. Every person here, you've got choices to make in life. When people treat life as though they are a pinball in a pinball machine how many know that the the little ball that rolls around on the pinball machine doesn't get to decide where he goes the pinball is simply reacting and bouncing off and going down holes and getting hit by the flippers and going around the ramps but the pinball has no decision to make that is a picture of many people's lives being impacted by difficulties and pain and trauma sometimes uh, uh, experiencing uh, good things 
uh, randomly, but allowing life to simply knock you around is not the way to live. Living a life without decisions is in itself a decision. It's a decision to, to, uh, to live without any control. This is God's call to his people. Because we are not called to live random lives. We are not called to live chaotic lives. God is not a God of chaos. He is a God of order. Wherever there is the vacuum of chaos, God says this cannot remain. When he saw the world without form and void, it was empty. The original language has the idea of chaos and randomness. God says, this will not abide. I have to put it in order. And so he created light and day, light and darkness, day and night, land and sea, uh, planets in orbit, everything. We We see a creation that is in order. How many understand that? That even if you look in a telescope or if you look in a microscope, on the macular level and on the microscopic level, you will see a God who puts things in order. And much of man's effect on the world around us is to break down God's order and put things back in a state of chaos. That's what sin does. A family which is in order is a beautiful and a wonderful thing. A father who leads and takes responsibility. A mother who supports and respects and teaches and keeps a home. Uh, a children who are obedient to the Lord. How many know uh, that is a home that can do great things for God? But the effect of sin is to break down the family, to put things in disarray. And now you can call almost anything a family today, right? You can call three adults and seven children all from different fathers. You can call that a family. No wonder our society is going into disarray. See, the reason that we begin to put things into chaos is because of bad decisions. This is what God puts before us in our scripture, verse 15. He says, listen. I feel like that sometimes. Would you just listen? Today I'm giving you a choice between prosperity and disaster. A choice between having all that you need and judgment and chaos. Between life and death. You say, well, that sounds like a pretty stupid decision. Who? in their right mind, would choose disaster and death over prosperity and life. And yet, the reality is that there are many people every day, by virtue of their own choices, that maybe they're making a decision based on how they feel in the moment, they're making a decision based on flesh, making a decision based on uh, 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 values that are not rooted in the Word of God, And yet every day there are people who make that decision for disaster and death. In fact, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us that that would be the majority of people. But it's amazing to me that God is a God who puts that decision into our hands. He says, you have this ability to choose. Today I am giving you a choice. Can you feel the weight of that today? That life is not just a a series of random events. Yes, many things happen to us that steer us, and we all get dealt a a hand when we're born into this world, right? 
Some people are born into the slums of India. You were not dealt that hand. You, you were blessed to be born in America. You were blessed to, you know, uh, to at least uh, you know, have a place where there are working toilets. Praise the Lord. So some people ha- are dealt good hands. Some people are not. We all have difficulties and, and, uh, and uh, 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 challenges that we face. But even in those challenges, listen, life is not about what happens to you. It's about what you do with the things that happen to you. It's amazing to me that here's God. He says, today I am giving you a choice, a very clear choice. What an amazing God. To give sinners a choice to accept or to reject. What's amazing to me is that this is a reflection of how God made us. You should think about this for just a moment. I have some people that I respect and uh, people that, that, uh, you know, that, that I pray for and I would count them brothers in Christ. But there is an idea out there of, uh, that, that we have no choice to make in the matter that God is supremely sovereign. And I, I don't want to attack God's sovereignty because I believe in the tenet of God's sovereignty that He is sovereignly in control of the universe. There's nothing outside of His, of his purview. We believe that as, as Christians. If God is not sovereign, then he's not God. However, in God's sovereignty, he has created a hum- humanity in his own image. Part of the image of God is the ability to make decisions about destiny. And God, if he made us in his image, it means that we have the ability to choose life or death. I don't believe that God sovereignly selects one for destruction and sovereignly dis- uh, chooses another for salvation. I don't believe that. And if you want to have an argument about Romans 9 uh, later on, I'd be happy to talk to you about that scripture. That's a separate sermon. But what I do want to say tonight is exactly what our scripture says, which is that there is great power, there is great responsibility in the decisions that we make to determine whether our lives are going to be good or bad, whether we will go to heaven or hell, whether we will experience blessing or cursing. Listen, this is not just for the sinner. This is for the saint. God is speaking to his people. And there are some people who make the decision, thank God, to come to an altar and to repent of sins and to trust in the Lord Jesus. And based on that, Decision, God saves us and rescues us and pulls us from the muck and the mire of our sin and people who surrender their lives to Jesus. But even after salvation, how many know there's still a few choices to make? Choices about what kind of job you're going to take. Choices about what kind of spouse you're going to marry. Choices about how you're going to raise children. Choices about how you're going to treat money. Choices about how you're going to uh, how, lead people to Christ. Uh, how you're going to live in holiness or not. Our lives are filled with choices. How many understand that? You made a choice tonight to come to church and many people did not. There are consequences for those choices. Some of them good, some of them bad. But at the end, so much of that responsibility lies in our hands. I believe that God, He is influencing us. I don't believe that God is removed from this decision making. 
But I do believe that every step of the way, by His Holy Spirit, He is leading us and guiding us and showing us the way. But I don't ever believe that God is going to twist us into submission. I don't believe He's going to put you in the chicken wing and say, Uncle, Uncle! I don't believe that God is like the bully at the schoolyard and make you give up his, your lunch, right? But I do believe tonight that God does influence us by the Holy Spirit. He does lead us into all goodness. That's what he's doing in our scripture. He's saying, could you please just listen to me? I'm setting before you a clear choice. Choose life. Let me give you some good reasons tonight why God would have us to choose life. Listen to what he said in verse 19. I call upon heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Can you feel the heart of God? He's crying out to his people here. He's pleading with them. He's saying, oh, church, oh, my people, I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to die. I don't want you to, to experience pain. But you will if you don't choose correctly. This is truly the heart of God. He's crying out to us as well. Please, please, church, would you obey? Please, would you follow me? Please, would you do what's right because I want the best for you? It's the heart of a father, isn't it? It's the heart of a father that, that uh, sees his own child and understands that one day, you know, your child is going to have to make some decisions for himself, right? One day, your child is going to be outside of your house and outside from, from your roof, and that child is going to have to uh, make decisions for their own life. That's why as a, as, a, uh, as a father, as a mother, you've got to put in values in them. So you've got to plant a few things in them that are going to sprout one day into good decisions. Too many people don't serve God because they want to be, quote-unquote, free. In other words, living for God to some people is restrictive. It's designed to limit, that God just doesn't want me to have any fun. But the truth is that freedom is found in submission to God. Freedom is found when we are surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, because when we are, we, be, we find freedom to do things that we could never do before in our sins, right? In our sins, we become slaves, but in our surrender to the Lord, we find liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's right. Religion is restrictive, but submission to Jesus is true freedom. Think about a submarine for a second. Have we, anybody here ever been on a submarine? Just Oh, you build them every single day, right, Ramon? <laughs> well, the thing is, when a submarine goes out to sea, that it's, it's extremely restrictive, isn't it? That those, those sailors, they have to be on that uh, very constrained place for weeks and months at a time, breathing the same air, right? And it can probably, I, I don't know what it would be like to spend a lot of time, but that, that would be pretty difficult, I think. And for some people, they would say, man, I just feel like I can't move. But the truth is, there is nobody on this earth freer than people in a nuclear submarine. I mean, they have choices to go anywhere right? They, they receive an order. They could go around the world. They could go to any port they wanted. And mo most of the time, undetected, right? 
There is freedom in that, 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 that we, as believers, we have a bubble of restriction around us, yes. We, uh, God restricts our lives on purpose, but in that restriction, we find greater freedom. It's like discipline. You know, if you want to find true discipline, or if you, true freedom in life, you've got to embrace discipline, right? You've got to be able to wake up in the morning and work a job. And if you do that, you'll get a paycheck. And a paycheck means what? Freedom. And so, yeah, you'll spend 8 or 10 or 12 hours a day working and laboring and, and improving other people's lives. But if you'll do it, it means freedom later on, doesn't it? It's the same with money. You know, you, uh, making a budget and sticking to it, man, that's, that's restrictive. That's hard. That's difficult. But if you'll do it, it means freedom later on. Losing weight and keeping a, you know, a, a diet, and, and those are things that I struggle with. You know? But if you restrict the things that you put in your face, then you'll find greater freedom with your health later on. You won't limit your lifespan. This is a choice, beloved, that we have to make. Life is not found in the works of religion or in great amounts of knowledge, but it is found in the quality of your choices. Joshua 24, 15. He says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua sets a great example for his people. He says, you know what? You make your choice. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to serve the Lord. And, uh, you know, if you choose to serve the gods of the Amorites, there's a consequence. You're going to get hurt. God's going to come down in judgment. But for me, I don't want that. I want blessing. I want prosperity. I want life to be on my house. So I'm going to choose to serve the Lord. At the end of the day, this is something that each person has to choose for themselves. Nobody else can do it for you. I can pray for you. I can preach to you. I can plead with you. But I can't make choices for you as much as sometimes I wish I could. But I can't. We've got to realize this also about our spouses, husbands and wives. Yes, you can influence your husband, your wife for good. But you've got, you've got to, at the end of the day, understand that you are married to a person who has agency, who has, has the ability to make Choices in life. And God desires for us to choose life. Proverbs 8, 36. He who sins against me sins, wrongs his own soul. And all those who hate me love death. Did you hear that? All those who hate God love death. The opposite is also true. Those who love God love life. We want to see people thrive. We want to see people live. Some time ago, you remember there was a story of some coal miners who were trapped underground. Do you remember that? I believe, what, what, was that Argentina? South America somewhere. But the, 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 uh, the cave had collapsed to a certain degree, and uh, it was a large number, if I can remember correctly, like 70 or 80 of them trapped underground uh, for a long, long time, days, and maybe even weeks passed by. And I can remember that there was a worldwide uh, effort to begin to pray for them and believe God and to, to rescue them. And, 
by an incredible miracle, I think it was like 20 or 30 days later, that they eventually were able to rescue these men. That they were able to, to send down a, a cart and, and pull them out one by one. It was an amazing thing. Why, why do we care about that? Well, because we wanted them to live. Whether it's a coal miner trapped underground, or whether it's an unborn baby in a mother's womb, or whether it's a teenager who's making bad decisions that are going to lead to dark places. See, we as believers, we've got to encourage people to make righteous decisions because those who love the Lord love life. There is such a loss of respect for life in our culture. Life is something that is becoming more and more meaningless. It's getting cheaper. We are seeing exploding statistics of suicide in our culture today. Exploding statistics of people who are overdosing. When a child, they say when a child turns 18 in our country, he has seen 200,000 violent acts and 40,000 murders on film and TV. That's a lot. Hollywood and TV industry has cheapened the value of life. Every day, there are 126,000 children killed by abortion procedures. Are we still sensitive to those things? God desires for us to choose life. Look at the results. Verse 19. Choose life for you and for your decisions. Uh, excuse me, for your descendants. Choose life for you and your descendants. Do you know why this is connected tonight? Because if you don't choose life for yourself, there won't be descendants for you to choose for later on. Right? Now, this is true in the natural, right? So uh, that we want, to, uh, we want to procreate. We want to bring people into the world that are going to share our values and that can serve the Lord. But also, we, wanna, we want to bring people into the kingdom through salvation, birth again through the Holy Spirit, right? That there are supernatural births that happen at the altar. Those are also our spiritual descendants that we've got to think about as we are making decisions in life. See, there are some things that I can't do. I can't do as a pastor. You know that? There are certain restrictions that I put on myself. You know why? It's for you. Like I, I could drink a six-pack of beer and keep my salvation, maybe, but I don't want to do that because it sets a bad example for you. And so I restrict my life. I know that there are certain limitations. People are watching me. I know that, that there are people here that you're taking an example from my life, and, and so you should. And because of those eyeballs that are on me, I have to live differently. I have to live above the standards of the world. If that's true for me, why isn't it true for you? Aren't there any eyeballs looking at your life? Doesn't that determine what kind of words that you can speak? You can't just let a bunch of wickedness fly out of your mouth when little ears are listening. I'll just let that one settle for a moment. You can't just choose to skip church because guess what? Little people are learning how to value church the way that you treat church, right? And if you can just throw it away like it's nothing, then what are you teaching to them? 
See, this is the job of a parent, right? The job of a parent is to look at their child and to, to map it out. If you continue in this behavior for another 20 years, what does it lead to? And that's why, as good parents, we should correct our children. You can't just keep peeing in the toilet without flushing. We've had a problem with that in our bathroom. I've been meaning to say something about that. Every time I walk in there, it's yellow water. Some, there's a problem. Somebody is not flushing the toilet. If you do that for the next 20 years, you're going to make some people mad. So teach your child to flush the toilet. Teach your child to obey your voice. Not to get red in the face. Not to shout demands. Not to threaten and count down from 10. How about this? When you speak, your child should listen. Because that's how God treats us. God doesn't raise his voice. God doesn't twist our arms. He simply presents his word and says, here's your choice. You should listen to God. Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) That's what I get when I don't preach off of my notes. If we will do these things, I want to tell you, there is great promise from God. Acts 17, 28 says, In Him we live, we move, and we have our being. It is worth it to serve the Lord. It is worth it to make the choice for life. Sometimes the choice for life is the more difficult choice. There's that old Robert Frost poem that I wish I had in front of me, but he basically describes two paths in the woods. And he looks back on his life and saying that one road was was the easier path, the more smooth. The other path was filled with more difficulties and dangers. But he said, "I, I made the choice to take the road less traveled. And as I did that, I found that life led to better things. See, the road less traveled is the road of life. It's the road of blessing. It's the road of prosperity. But listen, it's not automatic. It's not automatic. You can't just walk out the door. You can't just come up and I say a prayer on your head and say, Oh, God, give him life and prosperity and peace and blessing, God. And then we say, Woo, God, God, I got it now. No, because you're going to walk out of here and have to make some choices. You're going to have to walk out of here and make some choices about how you're going to live, how you're going to speak, what you're going to do. Jesus, after the Sermon on the Mount, one of my favorite scriptures, he he, he looks, he's given them these incredible revelations about how to live life. The Sermon on the Mount still reverberates in our world today. Radical teachings, right? And then he says, but blessed are you if you do these things. Those who hear my words and then don't do them. It's like a man who built his house on the sand. But those who hear my words and do them, what will you do? What choices will you make? The easy road is the road that leads to death and destruction. The more difficult road, the road less traveled, is the choices and decisions that lead to life. Thank God that at the cross, Jesus chose the more difficult road. In the garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, he's pleading with the Lord. If there's any other way, God. But guess what? At the end of the night, Jesus had to make his own choice, whether to surrender to the Lord or not. God was not going to twist his arm. He left the decision in the hands of his son, Jesus. And Jesus made the choice, not my will, God, but yours be done. That's the choice we have all got to make. 
And if we call ourselves Christians, then we ought to be like Christ, surrendering our will and saying, Lord, not my will. Your will be done. That's a decision you've got to make. Every young person in this place, you're still living with your parents, thank God. You've got blessing if you're growing up with two parents in your house. But their choices, their choices can't get you to heaven. You've got to choose on your own. God does not have grandchildren. He has children. Every child at some point in your life, you've got to choose to serve the Lord or not. This ought to be the greatest motivator of Christian parents is, I don't just want my children to have successful jobs. I don't just want them to be successful members of society. I want my children to, to make their own choice to serve the Lord Jesus. We find the power to make righteous decisions at the cross of Jesus Christ. At the cross, we give Him our vulnerability, and He gives us His victory. We give Him our weakness, and He gives us His strength. At the cross, we give Him our unworthiness, and we trade it for His worthiness. We trade to Him our unrighteousness, and we receive righteousness. It's at the cross where we can find the power to make righteous decisions and choices that will lead to life and not death. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes tonight. for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.